Blake, are you live? Yep. All right, outstanding. Welcome back to the Three of Seven podcast. What'd you title this thing, Blake? Christmas is over and the end is near. Yes, it is. The Christmas is over. You know, the the progression toward the end paused a little bit for Christmas. It pauses for Christmas. Holiday. Yeah, it's a holiday. But now it's time to get back in the groove of destruction and headed toward the end. So we're back we're we're getting back in that groove. Thank you guys for being here. Your humble servants, Lord C, Pope Chili, Priest Cornbread, and Bishop Blake are back in the house to serve you up a hot mess like you ain't never seen before. So you better get ready. You better hold on. I'm so thankful to be back working, man. I'm so thankful to be back working. See, Christmas for me was three days long. For three days, I woke up, did my chores, got in a car, drove somewhere that was at least an hour to drive there, sat on my butt. I sat on my butt so much at Christmas, three-day Christmas, that I thought my butt was about to fall off yesterday. What little butt I have, it was about to fall slap off, okay? I sat all day. Then I left whatever that place was that I was at, went home, did my chores, went to sleep. Well, but you ate good food. <laughs> good for you while you're sitting down, so it probably didn't sit heavy on you. Well, I don't. Well, good food is relative, all right? The food was good, but the food was not good for you, okay? I'll just go ahead and tell you that. Anyways, dude, it's it's wild to me. And, dude, okay, I remember it, I guess. I guess it's not wild to me because I remember it. How much people enjoy time off from work? So, sitting around Christmas, you know, I heard many times people complaining that they were going to have to go back to work after the Christmas break was over. And they would mention they got to go back to work and how miserable it was to even think about that. And and somebody sitting there would hear it and they'd say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have to go back to work. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't have to be that way. It does not freaking have to be that way. You should not hate your life and what you are doing with your life. The majority of your waking hours are being spent doing something that is making you absolutely miserable to the point that all you look forward to is the time that you don't have to be doing the thing that you're spending most of your time doing. That is completely backwards, and it does not have to be that way, okay? I'm just coming at you, and I'm telling you that right now. As a matter of fact, it shouldn't be that way, and it it was just astounding to me to kind of hear someone 
say, oh, I'm sorry you have to go back to work after this Christmas. And I'm sitting over here, and I'm like, I'm so ready for this daggone Christmas to be over with so I can get back to work. And so we're back to work today, man. I just, you know, I, I, I feel when I, when I get, I'm, all, I'm always thinking about what we do here at 307 Project. What's the next piece of content that Chili wants me to put out? What's the next project? What's the next training that we're going to do? What's the next place we're going to go? What's the next challenge, right? And then, and then when I get, my, my mind has just felt like, like, like disorganized and lost without that. It was really, really hard for me. Uh, so three-day Christmas was way too much for me personally. We've got to boil this thing down to one day next year. Blake, we got to boil this Christmas down to one day next year, all right? Okay. Um, that being said, I'm thankful that I do have family that I get to go spend time around. I did enjoy seeing everybody and uh, all that good stuff, you know. But we got to boil it down to one day, man. That's where I'm at with Christmas. All right. How was y'all's Christmas? Mine was good. Did y'all do a one day or a two day or? I felt like I was doing Christmas <clears throat> when we left for the loo. Dang. I felt like I'd been on a week Christmas. <laughs> I sat so much I done got ill, son. I'm talking about slap dab ill. <laughs> for real. <laughs> How about you, Chili? What'd y'all do? <clears throat> well, I mean, yeah, I'd say. I'd say uh, for me, it's pretty much probably after Thanksgiving to the end of the year is, is Christmas for me. So it's probably a uh, 35 day Christmas for <laughs> me every year. <laughs> You've got it to three. I'm probably on the 35 day tip. Good night. I don't know if you could abide that. Blake, you had a three day Christmas, didn't you? Well, well, we had know, a three day really, intensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, three day intensive Christmas. Yeah, I had about four because you know we did ours just with the family on uh, just us and the kids on uh, Christmas Day. Then after that, we went over to mom and dad's after we'd already been to Granny's and then Cat and them's. But you know, with kids, they drag it out. You know, they with you get the presents or whatever, and then Blakely's in there separating them things every day, touching them, trying to figure out what they are, and you open some early, so it kind of drags on. But you can still get some stuff done. But when when it locks down and you can't do nothing for three or four days, then that's a little much. I'm fine with it dragging out like chilies, but you still can do things throughout between Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know? Oh yeah, kinda. So. Depends on who you are, if you can or not. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, man. I am not celebrating the new year. <laughs> well, not doing it. I'm not participating in it. You, you're. I'm done. I am freaking done with these holidays, man. Your thing on holidays is is a little, like, I'm not into them either. I mean, no holiday is, nothing about them is legitimate in my eyes. But it's just, I, here's the deal. I value family. And if that's when... We got to get together because that's when everybody's going to do it. Then I'm fine with that because I wish you could just do it regularly throughout the year and not have to do it dictated by some imaginary holiday. But if that's just the way it is, so be it. I like being around my family and seeing them. So that's my view on it. I don't know how much <laughs> how much you agree with that. But if you like your family, just look at it as a time where you get to you know be with them. And I don't like the holiday thing either. 
Here's what I... Ain't but, like I celebrate... I maintained a good attitude. New Year's. I, I'm just venting right now, right? I, thing, I maintained a good attitude. The th- the, what's the problem with the holidays is, is that people have these holidays, and they go real hard on uh, Jesus, on family time, on gift giving. And my opinion is that you need to do that all year long. You don't, don't just need to be a few days or a month that... You know, some people I bought gifts for and some I didn't. But if I think, hey, I think corn would like this, then I'm just going to buy it for him and I'm going to give it to him. If it's June, if it's Christmas, if it's New Year, it don't matter. I just, like, if you see something, that, man, I think this person's going to. And the same thing. If you think, I, I miss spending time with my family, then set up a daggone cookout and spend time with your family. And you need to spend more time on Jesus than just one one time out of the year. And one time a week ain't enough either. And so yeah. the things that we hone in on around these holidays, people say, oh, well, this is a time to be thankful for this and that. And it's like, well, yeah, but so was two months ago. So was six months ago. You're looking for that occasion yeah. that somebody else appoints for you. Yeah. I don't like it. You, you know why there's so many holidays here in America? goes back to what I opened the podcast with. It's so many holidays here in America because so, everybody is so freaking miserable doing what they're doing. Well, it's good for commerce. I mean, you can always sell something around a holiday. It's very good for commerce. I don't know why there's not a holiday every day of the year. because It's just about that you way. You sell candy on Halloween. You can sell this and that on Christmas. Sell chocolate yeah. on Valentine's yeah, Day. Don't forget Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just about that way, yeah. I mean, it's good for commerce, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, uh, look. When you guys elect me as president of the United States of America, oh boy. these holidays are done. Not They ain't going to be a single one. They, they're, a, they're all going away. There's a lot of people just ticked about you talking about Christmas. Like <laughs> well, go ahead and be ticked. <laughs> be ticked. Every one of these holidays is going away, man. I'm done with them. I ain't some, cel- some agree, but there's a lot of them. Saying, I ain't celebrating New Year's, man. It, it ain't... It, Look, man. It's a new year, though, man. The, oh, yeah. The calendar that starts boy, over. That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. The calendar starts over. Yeah. No. A lot of things change between December 31st and January 1st. It resets. Well, that is true. It's yeah. a reset. <laughs> I ain't doing that, it's man. It's the only time of the year you can reset. Well, people talking about the end is near. I mean, Who's yes, talking about that? Me. <laughs> It's uh, it's Pope, it's huh? December twenty seventh. Yeah, yeah. You think you you telling me that the year end ain't near? <laughs> the end is. I mean, it's pretty daggum near. If it's you ask imminent. me, I would say it's imminent. Yeah, talking about. Do y'all remember uh, Blake? Well, I don't know, Corn. You gotta remember it. Do y'all remember Y two K? Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I remember. It. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. remember in Y2K talking about the end is near. I remember it well. I remember my, <laughs> I remember my dad and my grandpa. We had a little shed, and they had stocked this entire shed full of jugs of water. <laughs> <laughs> the whole shed was full of jugs of water. <laughs> if you want to know how people will are prepping and will prep for this end that they think is coming now, go back to Y2K. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look how retarded that looked. Well, we're doing Y2K it. Was we're doing it again. Yeah, nobody ever talks about Y2K anymore. No, they so, don't. So when it didn't bust off, what did y'all do with said water? Just poured it all out because <laughs> they 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 had put bleach in the water. Right, right. Yeah, they they stocked the shed 
and they they took and put bleach in all those waters, so I guess it keeps the water from molding or whatever. So it, we just poured it all out. Bleach can tend to make water undrinkable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did y'all prep for Y two K? We didn't do nothing. Nothing. Well, we unplugged the computer that we had. <laughs> we did. That, un- that thing was not gonna be plugged up at Y two K. We unplugged the computer. <laughs> so what? What? You were older than me in Y two K. Corn. What was the the theory behind Y two K? That all the computers was gonna shut down. Why? Because the, they weren't built to process to the year two thousand. Yeah, right? the, yeah, they wasn't the built to, millennium to click over from that ninety nine to two thousand, and they was going to bug out, shut down. They couldn't figure out what they were supposed to do, and then all the what was power grid on computers then was supposed to just go dark, and be mass blackouts all over the country. And you unplugged yours and said that wasn't going to happen to yours. Mine, mine was going to stay nineteen ninety nine. I can't even believe you had a computer in ninety nine. Yeah, we did. Holy smokes! Where were you living in ninety nine, Corn? <clears throat> I think we was living in Silver Creek. I think. I think we had just moved to Silver Creek. Yeah. I tell you, I didn't do nothing for Y2K. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't. changed nothing about the way you was living. I wasn't worried about it. (laughs) Why didn't anybody talk about Y2K anymore? Nobody ever talks about it. No, I don't know, because people, they almost act the same way about Y2K as they do this, this AI stuff that's coming. You know, they think it's going to end everything. So I don't know why we don't look at Y2K for a reference. I mean, it's totally different, but it's it's almost the same kind of panicked reaction. It's interesting. Yeah. Oh, everybody was freaking out. I remember it. Yeah, yeah nobody talks about it. Well, it's still going to happen. The problem is they've got the date wrong. <coughs> oh. The, when they is call it, Bishop? It y- the I'm date's gotten gonna, off. I'm not going to unveil that on, the, on this podcast. you got to pay for that. Yeah, I mean, that's over on Patreon, but uh, all right. Patreon yeah. members will know. But on this podcast, no, I'm not telling that. Well, Nostradamus. Um, it is, you know, it is going, it's always fun to think about what's coming. What do we have this coming up year? We have an election this coming up year, right? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> See, y'all think there's going to be an election. Theoretically. Yeah, they ain't, that's, it, it would be what you would call an election year back in the year 2000, but this time there won't be one. Bishop Blake's getting weird. This is, this is really going to be interesting. What are your predictions on how this election is going to go in 2024, Pope? Oh, well, you really might have to pay for that. I don't like talking about this stuff. I mean, I have some thoughts about what's happening here. Okay. Send it, man. I'm trying to get... I'm going to take notes. Well, it, it is very interesting because people... It's almost as if... I don't know. There's a collective consciousness thing going on here. And people... Like, uh, the election integrity issues in the minds of the public had, did not start in 2020. And it did not start in 2016. It, quite frankly, didn't even start in 2000, but at least go back to 2000. And when you talk about uh, the the Bush-Gore election, uh, do you remember that? You've been talking about Y2K. I remember when Bush was elected, but I don't remember anything about any sort of... And you don't remember how there was a big um, recount, you know, electoral, look at this, look at that. Uh-uh. It was Gore, now it's Bush. You- so, so, so 
correct me if I'm wrong, but Gore got the popular, but Bush got the electoral. Yeah, and that's happened. Yeah. That's happened a bunch, but but there there was serious election confusion around the election. I mean, there was a time where everyone just was like, "Well, we don't know who the president's going to be." But at that time, the public it, the life was so different. Everyone was just like, "Ah, whatever. We don't even care. Whatever." Da, da, da. And um, then you see in 2016. Uh, yeah, same situation with Hillary winning the popular vote and Trump uh, winning the Electoral College. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they when Trump won, people seem to have quickly forgotten that in 2016, everybody was saying, well, th- that can't be right. It can't. That can't be right. No freaking way. We want to recount it. We want to change this. Want to change that. It's bull crap. He can't win. Why don't we just do away with the Electoral College anyway, even if he did win it? This is ridiculous. How, how, how can it not be the popular vote? And then in 2020, same thing happens, but against the other way, right? Trump loses. Yep. Then, you know, and then, then just the fallout from that's insane. Everyone says, oh, it's fake. It's fake. No, 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 you can't win. You can't win. So you've seen the degradation of faith in the, in the system going way back. And my opinion on that is it's not good that they're like, it's for the sake of order to, to maintain its place over chaos. The public needs to have faith in their elections. Uh, however, I think the distrust in the elections that is burgeoning is warranted because I ain't trusted it since I've been alive. I thought it's I, the whole since I was a child. I thought, "What is this? Who who's counting them? Who trusts them to count it? Do you not see the problem with this?" But everyone for the longest just seemed to kind of be cool with it. But now we're less and less cool with it, which I actually think is the, an appropriate way to view it. To view, I can't trust this. I mean, who, who, you're just trusting people that you don't trust to count. Uh, the votes and count and make the elections fair. Well, machines, machines now, right? and people. Yeah, and and I don't. I, why would you do that? And uh, but the effects of that trust waning are are vast and far reaching. And what unless that trust starts to turn in the other direction and people start to have faith in the elections again, uh, you will get to the point where you don't have elections. I mean, you actually will. Like, like you, you, the, the trust can't go to zero, and you still have an election. Yeah, I mean, you, you, just, you don't have them anymore. Um, and will that happen in twenty twenty four? I do not think so. Um, but my opinion is like, here is the deal: my predictions will be predicated on my bias, my preconceived ideas about the whole thing. So some people will fundamentally disagree with me with what I am about to say. And then that, thus, they would fundamentally disagree with my prediction, what it's based on. But I don't trust, I've never, I don't, I wouldn't trust any election that's ever happened in the history of the world anywhere. Because how do you know, how can you, how can you verify it? How can you trust it? And in the history of the U.S., uh, I I tend to think that at least, (laughs) let's just say all of them, the person that has been elected has been installed. That's been my view from the get-go. Maybe that's wrong. I, I totally hold that that may be wrong. 
Um, but if that is the case, then what it looks like is happening to me is I could easily see Trump being the president again and being installed as such. Because the deal is, people believe that uh, almost nobody thinks that Trump is, everybody thinks he's either a good guy or a bad guy. There's no in-between. There's no gray. It's black and white. Yeah. He's either the savior of the country or he's literally the most evil person that you can conceive of. Well, what if, what if, stick with me here, all of these politicians aren't actually against each other? Because <laughs> that's been my view. And if this is wrong, then this whole thing's wrong. I'm just throwing ideas out. I'm, this is just, Republicans and Democrat, Democrats create a perfect binary of left, right, one, two, option one, option two. And, and people always talk about a third party. Well, there is a third party. And the fourth party, there's a daggum Libertarian Party. There's a Green Party. There's probably the daggum Chad Wright Party. I mean, there's a lot of parties. But it is a binary system with the two dominant Republican, Democrat, the RNC, the DNC. And, and, and those two organizations control most of how things <laughs> operate. And a lot of people believe they hold fundamentally true that those two sides, those two committees are opposed to each other. I think they're cooperative. And I think they pick a figure that will do what needs to be done. Everyone, everyone looks at Joe Biden as he's a puppet. Why would you think Donald Trump's not a puppet? Why would you think Hillary's not? Would you think she's held on to her sovereignty? I mean, they, why, why would you think that any Republican congressman has held on to his moral uh, morality and, and ethical uh, backbone. I mean, you criticize Chuck Schumer, but you like Mitch McConnell? I mean, open your eyes to the same daggum person. And if you look at it, where do you think they fundamentally disagree? We have all these issues. We have abortion. We have uh, taxes. We have... Every little minutia detail that you can disagree with that in the end never really changes. It never changes. When so, the system was created for gridlock. <clears throat> That's how the founders designed it. That's the, uh, for, for a bicameral Congress, you've got the House, you've got the Senate, how they're made up, 100 senators, 435 or whatever it is, Congress people. <clears throat> it was created for gridlock. It was created for... It to be very, very difficult, it takes an ungodly major, majority of opinion to actually change what was initially instituted. That's what it was designed for. It was designed for gridlock. It was designed for all this. And you see it. There's been gridlock for the whole history of the U.S. There's very little that's universally agreed upon by 90% of people. And it, it pretty much takes that for something to actually change. But I think it's gotten to the point where corruption is set in. And it's not the gridlock keeping things the way they are. It's, it's, the, it's the cooperative corruption between both sides to agree that, well, this system the way it is is enriching both of us, the RNC, the DNC, Congress people on both sides, the elites on both sides. And when I say the elites on both sides, I don't mean to be vague, but it's very difficult to name however many specific names you want to name. It's the people who run the banks. It's the people who run... Uh, who are the donors to these people. It's all of those people. You can, you can look that up for yourself. But to me, the cooperation is there 
whenever you see how they actually view the issues that they talk about. Republicans are pro-life and Democrats are pro-choice just for the sake of keeping the public at odds about those things. They don't give a freaking crap. Nancy Pelosi doesn't give a crap about abortion. She really don't. She really don't. Mitch McConnell or whatever Republican senator or congressperson you want to name that, that takes a stand and runs on these issues, they don't care. They really don't. They care about things moving in the direction that they're continuing to move. Hopefully there is somebody that runs for Congress that's in there that actually does care. Hopefully that is true. I can't say they don't for sure. Maybe they do. That's great. I don't want to badmouth somebody who's legitimate. But if you participate in the system as it currently is, nobody has, has acted in a bold enough manner to indicate that they do care because you have to play the game to the level yeah. of participation and cooperation that you would not play if you really cared about the issues. You have to enter the game just to get in position within the, within the conglomerate. It's a very difficult case to be made that you're in the game now and continuing to play it if you're because you're some benevolent actor. It's a very difficult case to be made because the longer you participate in it, the more you are condoning and cooperating in exactly what is happening. And what is happening is they agree on all of the issues. The reason it goes back and forth between Obama and Trump and Biden and back to Trump is because the pendulum has to keep swinging like this to keep everybody in the status quo. You can't get too far one-sided. They can't let that happen. They cannot let there be a Democrat president for 30 straight years or a Republican for 40 straight years. You just can't let it happen. It, it, it swings the balance of power way too far. In the minds of the public, it swings it too far. So, to me... There's a, there's a reaction every, every election cycle. There's a reaction every year. There's a reaction to every big decision that's being made. But when you keep things even, back and forth, it allows for the power to stay where it actually is. 100%. It allows for the power not to shift hands, which I, everybody in the public wants to shift. They want it back to the people. It's not going to happen in, in this way. And a politician's not going to return it to you. It's an age-old tactic. Of course it is. It's an a. It's that this tactic is literally as old as warfare itself. Divide in order to conquer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And you know that we have we have a lot of vehement, vehemently dedicated Trump supporters that do follow the channel. Yep. And uh, if if you're one of those people and you think that. Uh, that Trump doesn't fit the bill, that he has not been been corrupted, if you think that he still has maintained his sovereignty as an individual, uh, and you think that Chile's wrong about Donald J. Trump, I will tell you that you might be correct, but here's the thing. If he hasn't been bought and paid for, he is still being used. Either I want you way. to understand either, either way. way. That's the thing. If he has even even if he has maintained his own sovereignty, he is still being used yeah. by the conglomerate that is. Well, let me be clear too. <laughs> I am definitely talking in a way that this is all planned and and orchestrated and and there's total cooperation. Maybe there isn't. I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas. But regardless, that is what is happening. 
you can't be a part of the system that is without being used. Like that's even even me. Like I think about if, if you, I want to engage in politics, why like I I have no interest in engaging in politics on the federal level because you cannot be a part of that system without being a freaking pawn. The you, rules of the game are set up that exactly. way. Exactly. Now on on I think on the state level because it is smaller I think there's a little bit more chance but when you're looking at the federal level like yeah you you just you just can't enter into that game if you think that you are if you think you're not a part of it, no, you're a part of it because you, they wouldn't allow you to be there if you weren't a part of their plan. Well, people Do y'all understand that? And people don't look at politics like a game. It's a game. It is a game. It's a game with a certain set of parameters. It's a game for rich people. It's a game with a certain set of parameters and a certain set of rules. And if you don't abide by those rules, you won't be a part of it. Yep. Plain and simple. You have to throw out the game. You have to start a new game if you want to <sighs> play by a different set of rules that you think are more just and more ethical and more right. It's, so to me, the game is the problem. And you have to the, the game has to be eliminated. And I think you can make a case that it's been a game since the very beginning. I'm reading a book right now yeah, about Thomas Jefferson. I've read a large volume about the life of George Washington. I've read a large volume about the life of um, Adams, John Adams. Adams. Okay, these men, these men like Jefferson, these men like Washington, they weren't self-made men. I want you guys to know these men were, were, were literally rich, filthy rich from their birth. These they they weren't self-made men, and so they engaged in these in, in 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 politics, and they were all lawyers. They all inherited these massive pieces of land and these big big. Bun- they didn't have to do nothing. Bunch of slaves. They didn't have to do nothing. It's a it, it's been a game for rich people since the very beginning. Yeah. And, and everyone talks about Trump like, well, he's rich. How could you buy him? You know how you buy a rich man with power. A hundred percent. Wealth is not automatically well. Wealth gives you a lot of power, and it gives you access to a lot of power. But it, it, it you're still prohibited for certain things, and 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 a rich man can be bought with more power that money can't buy him very easily. And uh, I'm not saying that's happened to him either. I mean, how would I know? But <laughs> why would you think that he's not? Is my question because you take what all of these people say you decide whose team you're on and you take what they say as gospel you believe him when he says he wants to make america great again why would you believe that why would you just take that at face value i'm not saying he doesn't i'm not saying none of them do i'm not saying some of the daggum democrats who do things that seem boneheaded to us they're not actually trying to do good they're just confused. I'm not saying none of that. But why would you believe them? That's my question. Maybe maybe take a step back and question the motives of the people that you are supporting in politics. Maybe say, well, they could just be saying this because it's leading to an end that keeps me right where I'm at. 
and keeps things right where they're at and actually makes them more powerful. That's yeah. what I think. Maybe you should question that. <clears throat> so the one the one thing that I look for I, that that you do not see from any politician who is who's in the mix right now, the one thing that I look for that would be an indicator of an individual who actually wanted to make our nation great again. The one thing that I look for is that person their main endeavor being to unify the nation. There's not a single person that is in the mix right now who it is their main endeavor to unify our nation. Or their, be- their agendas are all based in division, divisiveness, gossip, slander, that's all their every single agenda is is based in those areas. Do you understand it would be easy to unify this nation? It would it would literally it would not be hard. If you were in a position where your voice could be disseminated to enough people, it would not be hard to unify this nation. That's not a difficult thing to do. It's not being done because of exactly what Chile just described to you. That's not the goal. If the nation did unify, then it would be strong. But there's not a single politician who is interested in that. And that's the, that, that's the thing that you, that you should look for in some. Is this person literally trying to unify this nation or are they divisive? Are they backbiters? Are they slanderers? What what are they what are they telling to the I, I, it's it's freaking insane, man. And and we're a bunch of freaking idiots for playing along. What's interesting too, whenever you're in the system as we call it, I think people make concessions to themselves by saying, well, I'll do some of these things that are not actually good. I'll sign this that's not good. I'll support this that's not good because I'm ultimately in here as a good person trying to do good, and I'll have to play along with this stuff to actually end up doing any good. I think that's the justification, don't you? That you're like, well, you get in there and you're like, well, if I don't do this. I have to compromise. If I don't compromise, how could I ever do any good? To me, you've got to put nobody's put nobody puts their foot in the ground no nobody if they actually care if there is anyone that actually cares they don't put their foot in the ground they keep compromising well you're never going to get you're never going to compromise your way to a solution you can't but but here's here's the thing you cannot stand your ground unless you have a army backing you because they will kill you that that's that's how that's how big it is. Like, if you want to if you want to stand your ground, you better organize a freaking army before you decide to come out publicly and say no, we're standing our ground. Because as soon as you do that, they will kill you. Yeah, I mean, what do you? And that's why no one's willing to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Corn, you're the oldest man in the room. You know, you've been around many years. What's your read on the public and, and, and their 
the public's trust in 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 government or election or or how have how is how is it different now than you know your early years as an adult have you seen a massive shift i mean what's your perspective on it well well culturally you know the support that trump got when he was president and still has by the majority of the original supporters to me was just unfathomable how did somebody just show up now he wasn't out of the blue trump's been on tv had tv shows and all these hotels and whatnot he'd been around in the in the limelight for years but just like a snap of a finger like chili said everybody just believed the dude what he said what he said i can't really remember a president beforehand that that was that it was like that at all so i think that division that was created however so right then was so hardcore i don't think the country maybe since 1860 something has seen that yeah i mean seriously just just really don't at all I know some local politicians in the in the game that Chile's talking about. You think, man, I know these dudes. Like, how in the world are they like that? Are they really like that? But I've also heard some of the conversations. And I think once you get out of the one red light towns, once you get out of Mayberry, I think that's when it starts. Because these dudes, these ladies – they take trips up to D.C., and they sit, and they're presented what's going on by whatever committees they're going up there to see. They're talking to the guys high up in the state level, and they're talking to the dudes in D.C. And when they come back, Chili said it about five minutes ago, it's the gospel, son. Oh, well, I've heard the economy's going to fall three years ago. we got to tighten up. we got to do this. We've got to do that. Oh, diesel's going to run out next November. We got to do this. We got to do that. Just fear on top of fear on top of fear. And for some reason, when people look at Trump, they don't have fear. They have we're about to go whoop the rest of the world's tail. That's And I, th- I think it's you know, from his America's first perspective. That makes you feel good, man. Oh, this dude's going to stand up and he's going to give it to China. And he's going to make Russia constantly back down. And Venezuela, there ain't nothing to them. I mean, it it puts a lot of feeling in top of people, and you, you're not really thinking it. So, so culturally, the support that I think Trump has gotten, I don't ever remember that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, the The main things you heard growing up was that Jimmy Carter was the worst president in the world, and that. You know, Everybody loves Reagan. Daddy Bush, everybody loved Daddy Bush. And then once there was something in the media that turned against W when 9-11 happened and all that, and that's really, to me, thinking back, you know, in accordance to the question you asked, that the divide started to happen. Whatever the media push got, that divide right there is when it really started to happen, and everybody latched on to Trump once he come around after Obama. And it was, I just, I, I don't know, man. I don't know why people really believe him the way they do. I'm not saying that he's a liar by any means, but what Trump says, 
to most Trump supporters is the truth. Yeah. Regardless of what reality is. Yeah, yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, that that would be the biggest thing that I noticed. The biggest thing. The the biggest thing. And you hear, as I was growing up too, you never heard anybody, well, well we need to, thinking of a, air quotes, insurrection happening, like what happened on January the 6th, mm-hmm. would never, never, you wouldn't hear nothing about that at all. Very rarely did you hear anyone talk, well, well, we'll just stand up and take it back. They, If they, if we think our election's rigged, because I do believe it started real early, like Chile was saying, and we'll just show out. We'll show them we're not going to put up with it. We'll show them not. That's the kind of support Trump had right there. And it's one-sided. He's got just the conservative side, and they're they're thought of as extreme conservatives by the media. Yeah. So I I think Trump, minus the tweets and stuff, never bothered me. You talk about unifying something. I think if he had taken a different route, he would probably have been the closest thing we had. I was and, about to say the same and thing. And uniting everyone. If he would if he would have paired the balls that he has yeah. with an actual agenda to unify the nation mm-hmm. and not just be divisive. Yeah. Well, it's every president is a reaction to the previous one because you have to be because yeah. that's the platform you have to run on because everybody thinks recently. Nobody thinks 30 years back. They think, what's this last dude done that I don't like? And who's going to come in here and do something different? So how was Trump a reaction to Obama? See, a lot of Obama had a lot of support, a lot of support for mm-hmm. eight years, but he also had a lot of people that freaking hated his guts. And when Hillary came along, uh, those people who hated Obama's guts weren't voting for her, and a lot of people weren't voting for her anyway. So Trump came along, the biggest populist president that maybe has ever existed. I don't want to be hyperbolic because I didn't, I wasn't around in the nineteenth and eighteenth century, but. Uh, this populist comes along that comes right after this president who says, who Obama's stated goal was to create an intersectional coalition of people, uh, a coalition made up of minority groups and oppressed groups that would come to form the, the majority. And, he, get, and he, he gave more rights to the uh, LGBTQ community and he, and he tried to push for um, uh, rights for minority groups like black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, everything, right? And then Trump basically came along and said, well, all this, all this is doing is destabilizing the country. You're pitting everybody against each other. Obama marketed himself as a unifier. But what he actually did when he took all these minority groups and made, he made it minority group, minority group, minority group, together to form this coalition against everybody else that was deemed to not be in that coalition, which yeah. is whoever you want to deem it, but it was white men. Yeah. Yeah, he was a race baiter for sure. I mean, it, it was it was the complete opposite of unification. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it took the, divi- the division, gave names to it, gave parameters to it, gave it a hierarchy. Basically said, if you are, you know black homosexual transgender this and that got a missing got a dis- disability you're at the top mm-hmm. next un- under that is you know 
mm, maybe if you're a Hispanic woman that's an illegal immigrant that's got this, you're okay, you're you're in there. And he tried to construct this pyramid, this hierarchy. It's like daggum Chinese algebra trying to figure out where everybody stacks up. You know what's at the bottom, but where does it all work out? And then what's happened is as the end of his uh, tenure came, those those the the people the minority oppressed groups in that hierarchy started to fight. The, the women's rights activists started to fight with the LGBTQ trans community because it was like, well, hold up a minute, you're infringing on our rights now. Whoa, that that that, that can't be. You know, we, we paid so much to affirmative action and the and the African American community. Nobody pays attention that that Asians are. It's unbelievable. How um, how essentially oppressed you'd want to say they are in terms of getting into Ivy League schools, they won't accept them. They won't accept them, even though they're the best candidate, because there's too many Asians. They say you want everything to statistically line up with the, the statistics in society. You say, well, we've got this many black people, we've got to have this many black people at this school. We've got this many Asians, we've got to have that many. You don't. It's no longer based on merit. It's based on identity. <clears throat> And Trump was the polar opposite of that. He came by and said, I don't care nothing about that. I don't give a dang. And so that was a total shift. But but what's interesting to me is I think Trump, maybe not so much verbally through his articulation, and maybe so, maybe, maybe so, the thought of the people, we may have to take this joker back is is now a thing. It it wasn't <clears throat> from my perspective in the late 80s and early 90s. That wasn't there. Mm-hmm. That we that this thing is broke, it's rent, yeah. and we may have to take it back. The thought of that, that I believe all that come right around, you know, when Trump was running for president and 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 yeah. everything else, the the actual thought yeah, it's going to come that, a reality one day. Yeah, and that then that is a a lot of people are thinking that now. Now, taking action on that is a, is a whole nother a whole whole nother step. But a lot of people are thinking that now, which is interesting. Right. Well, yeah. Let me chime in a little bit here. Come on with it, Bishop. I didn't know you studied politics, Bishop. Well, I don't, but there's <coughs> politics is a minor little area that everybody likes to talk about, and it's good conversation. But a lot of people, even though they might seem negative, they're still somewhat optimistic. I don't know that you could say they have hope, but they're optimistic that things will get better. And that's why everybody talks about it, right? I mean, why would you talk about it if you knew it was just shot? Even if they're being negative, oh, everything's gone downhill. That's why you continue to throw your support after some candidate. Exactly. So they have some sort of optimism or some sort of hope, if you want to use that word, that things will get better. And we know that, and we even read the Bible in this way. And we, and we, for example, the parable of the mustard seed. People read that and they think that what that means is that um, the the Christianity grows into this big tree, and then you know it says the bird will nest in its limbs, and they're thinking that's good. Like, oh, this this tree that's Christianity on Earth is going to be this big uh, tree of hope for everybody to nest in. And that's not actually what it's talking about. And so we read the Bible that way, we live our lives that way, we look at these things that way, and 
you put we're putting our hope or our desire in the wrong place. We know that the world is not going to get any better. But then the question that I would ask, like we talk about all this stuff, and I think even sometimes I'm conflicted of like, okay, you should do things. You shouldn't just sit on your hands, right? You say, all right, I know the Bible says it's going to get worse, and then that's just how the world's going to end, and that's the way we believe. But to to what extent do you go to try to do good, and what are those things that are good? Like, say, I okay, I have this agenda, and Chad said, unless you have an army behind you, they're just going to kill you. So do you build an army and fight? Like, what is the... Because we can talk about this all day long, yep. but then my mind goes to action. Okay, Me too. here's what it is, and how how far do you take this, and what is appropriate biblically to act on? Well, I know this is a cliche and been talked about before, and I want to know what you say to this, Chad, but to me... It goes beyond this, but I think step one, it can't be um, uh, overlooked because it's actually a requirement for any step two that you could possibly dream up. And even Andy talks about it all the time. Personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion. That actually is where it starts. It starts with you changing, the individual changing. That's what you have control over. That's what you, like, maybe somebody can come along and unify somebody, but it's going to be somebody that's done this with well, their self first. Yeah, that's because they did that. That's why they're able to unify. Exactly. Somebody. And and I've been, I don't know. I've been reading um, Matthew 5. And uh, it's like you read stuff like that a million times, and you study it a million times, and you get something, and then you read it again, and you're like, well, still there's something, like something just clicks in a different way. Like, the meek shall inherit the earth. If you look at meekness as basically capable of extreme violence, but being able to control that and wield that, well, there's three classifications of, of men then. There's, there's the man that's not capable of extreme violence. He's not even capable of it. Couldn't even do anything. Well, he could do wrong. He could sin, but he can't even do anything wrong if he tried. Yeah. He's freaking weak and useless. I mean, that, that's useless. That's I think I'm afraid that's a that's ninety percent of people yeah. or more. It's just freaking an absolute follower, useless. NPC. NPC. You ain't gonna do nothing. Yeah. You're not capable of good either, then, because you you, yeah. you can't even you, you, you have you, no capabilities to use for good or evil. Then there's. The person who has a sword, if you will, who is capable of extreme violence and can't can't wield it, mm-hmm. they and that's the people you see currently in power. It's people that they don't care; they just wield the sword recklessly. They don't care who they kill, innocent bad guy, don't care. They're just freaking hacking around. Mm-hmm. It don't really matter what happens as long as it it it, it uh, progresses their power. Then you have the man that can that is capable of extreme violence but can can wield that power and can control that power and use it when necessary. And it's very interesting that it says they will inherit the earth because <clears throat> inherit basically means it will be given to you. Like you think of an inheritance like your father passes that along to you. It doesn't say it will be it doesn't say they will take the earth. I don't know. I just I find that interesting. Yeah. It says they will inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they will have dominion over it like in this time right now. Yeah. Because you don't. It's, I don't know. It's just very interesting. And I think working on that, working on being meek and the uh, 
and and your own personal journey to die to yourself, I think that's where you start. So then where do you go after that? Yeah, and who inherits things? Sons, Sons and daughters yeah. of, mm-hmm. of yeah. family, right? So yeah. by being meek makes you a son. Yeah, I mean, that's not what makes, but that is right. what a son of Jesus looks like is a meek person. Therefore, you're able to inherit. You don't earn it. And it's it's not uh, just like you said. You, you know, it's not something that you can earn, but it's it's inherited. So, well, obviously, Jesus would be the epitome of a lot of things, but he's certainly the epitome of weakness. Somebody a me- weakness, meekness. Somebody who could literally destroy the earth with a snap of a finger and doesn't. Yeah. As they have to take on hell. Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally. He, yeah, he wielded that. He wielded the ultimate power. Yeah. Um, properly in order to accomplish his ultimate goal. So where do you go from there? Uh, well, you know, I really it really bothers me when Christian people say that none of this stuff that we're talking about matters. That no, that no earthly conflict or or no government or or that none of this stuff matters it it, it bothers me man we, and we've talked about it on the podcast before many christians are very apathetic mm-hmm. uh to to all all happenings of things and while i agree that the main objective of the body of christ is to lead people to christ by way of the gospel of Christ, I also believe that we can't. It is. It is. We are not called to just give up. Like why do why does why do things matter? You know, it's it's really easy for us American Christians to just choose to be apathetic and say we don't need to engage in this stuff because we can come down here to town and we have freedom of religion we have freedom of speech we can share the gospel we're not under persecution what what do you think the cat over in china that's meeting in a basement somewhere to read one page of the bible and if they get caught they're going to be locked up and potentially killed for it, do you think that they think that government doesn't matter? No, it, it matters. Like, you, you, you got to understand, the whole reason that we're able to have discourse like this is because men engaged in an endeavor to create the environment that we now all enjoy. So it freaking matters, man. And we should be engaged in things that are shaping the nation and the environment that we live in, if not for even our own benefit. It should be for the future generation's benefit to be able to enjoy the ability to worship God openly and share the gospel openly and speak about things openly and enjoy liberty. You understand? Liberty is the Lord's idea. So, this, I mean, and you say specifically, where do you go from here? Well, I believe, one, you you begin to use your voice. I think that is the initial step. 
People don't want to freaking talk about this crap, man. They don't want to have these conversations like we're having right now. You know, I I, I, I engaged in a conversation with a family member at the second Christmas and about this type of stuff, things that matter, everybody else in the room got silent. Like, oh, why do they have to talk about this? You won't even use your freaking voice, man. You are such a coward that you won't even talk about things that matter. You're either a coward or you are so dumb and ignorant that you can't even understand things that matter, that you can't even see the reality of what's happening around you. It's one of the two different things. They both play into the equation. So the first thing every single American should be begin doing is having conversations within their friend groups, within their families, with uh, teaching their children, within their communities. The, this, the, why, why do I say your voice is the initial step? Well, to me, it goes back to the verse in the Bible. It talks about how do we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony the word what who who is who is god to us right what does the bible say about life about us about morality about politics about finances the bible has a lot to say on all these topics so we overcome satan by the blood of the lamb first and the word of our testimony well you're scared to open your freaking mouth and say a word about anything because you're worried that you're so scared of conflict you're so scared of having to defend your position that you just keep your freaking mouth shut the whole time so we should talk about these things. That's the first step. The second step, I believe the second step looks different. I think it depends on your on your unique giftings. If you have a gifting to lead, if you have a, I have a gifting to lead and to unite people, I should enter the arena in with the intentions to lead and unite people. Like figure out how it is you can serve and enter that arena and wield your unique giftings to change the direction of things that are happening. But no, we don't want to do that, man, because we're too, we're, we're too busy working our freaking job that we're miserable doing, and, and we are too inept to go and read a book. We are too inept to study history. We're too freaking lazy to study Scripture. We're too lazy to do anything, right? We're just too freaking lazy, man. So you, you have to use your voice, and then I think you have to literally take action and engage in the arena, wielding your specific gifts, whatever that might look like, and on whatever scale that might look like. That can be just you and your family unit. That can be your local government. That can be your state government. Whatever it looks like for you, man. But none of us, but, and I'm guilty of this too, man. I'm guilty of this too, man. I, I haven't, I haven't, I have not, I haven't done what I, I haven't done what I think I should do. And 
a big part of that for me has been because of my own personal unwillingness to make a sacrifice. And I know that if I do end up doing what I should do, it's going to require a great sacrifice. And so I'm fighting that battle in my own mind. That's, that's really interesting because that's something I've been, I would say, <laughs> dwelling on. Like, it was really weird when you just said that. Like, dwelling on to the point, like, dwelling. Like, probably not good. On what does it look like to die to yourself fully? I, like, what is the, the end of that? Take that to its fullest extent. What does it look like? Like, really, what is the logical conclusion end of that? And to me, it, it's being willing to sacrifice your life for, for others or for something greater yeah. than yourself. I mean, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And I ask myself, am I willing to do that? And <laughs> That's why, you know, when I, when I read historical books about these powerful men, that, that historically powerful men, Jefferson was one of them, and I'm reading that right now. And I look at this this guy, and he's he's he is the furthest thing from being dead to himself. And he still was able to wield the amount of power that he wielded, but he was he was the furthest thing from being an individual who had died to himself. I mean the polar opposite. And so then that makes me think, with the Holy Spirit of Christ allowing me and teaching me and leading me through that process, if we can allow the Holy Spirit to teach us to die to ourselves, it's like, dude, if you can do that, you can wield an unlimited amount of power for good, for the kingdom. Like you can wield an unli- you you can make these individuals that we look at as these power figures in history you could you could literally make them look like freaking peons. It's the key to everything, man. It's the literal key to everything, and that <clears throat> that power may not end up looking like what you think it's going to look like. I agree, either. and I've come to learn over the past year or two that a lot of the things that we that we seek. They don't. They, they're not achieved when you seek them directly. And just a f- very small example would be, say, I want to be a better husband to my wife. And if I start focusing on that directly, I'm not going to be a better husband. But if I become a better just person myself, it, some might say that's selfish, and depending on how you define it, maybe it is. But when I do that, then I become a better husband to my wife, a better father to my children, a better business person, and even spiritually, when you just seek the Lord, just love the Lord your God, you love people, but when you try to love people, you don't love them. It's, 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 it's a heart transformation is what it is, and so we try to devise uh, a lot of our own plans to accomplish what, and, and like, you know, Chad's example that he just shared of like, you know, doing these things, those are good. But if you're doing them for the sake of making this world better, I don't know that I get behind that. I, what? I, I think that you do what the what you know is right, and 
and let it let it fall where it may. Maybe things get better, maybe they get worse, but you do what is right because the overarching but we can't devise a plan. It, whatever we come up with is is uh, maybe it achieves something, but who who are we to say whether that's what's right or wrong? You truly just have to. I mean, you, you could go down the hole of what is seeking Christ and how do you do yeah. that, but you just seek the Lord and do the things He puts on your heart, not for the sake of that it makes America better, not for the sake that it makes your life easier or better. In fact, it probably won't do any of those things, but it will be the plan that should be happening. And that's the way I feel about it. I see what you're saying. It it it, it is it is what what whatever unfolds is divinely orchestrated if you are seeking the Lord. I, I, I agree with you on that, Blake. Um But the but our responsibility as the body of Christ to make the world better is is legitimate. Like we are ambassadors for the kingdom of the creator, God the Father, on this earth. So should we endeavor to make the world a better place in all aspects? Yes, that's part of our endeavor. Now, the nuts and bolts of that, I believe, is orchestrated by the Lord but you think that we do that to make the world a better like that's what a Christian should do to try to make the world a better place now where we're at? Or we 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 are the caretakers of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that should be part of your endeavor. I mean, not ev- maybe not well, everybody, but well, doing right and living right and seeking righteousness will result in those things. But I, I tend to agree with Blake that, like, it doesn't say those who inherit the earth shall be meek. It says the meek shall inherit the earth. It, it So it's a result. If you endeavor to inherit the earth and you go, I want to inherit the earth, how do I do that? Oh, well, this says you got to be meek, so I'm going to try to be meek for that. That ain't going to work. Right. Like, Yeah, that's what you're saying, yeah. If you're, if, like... I don't want to be meek because I so I can inherit the earth. Legitimate. I don't want to freaking inherit the earth. I want to be meek because it's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, it is what we ought to do. And as a result of me becoming a little bit less of me and a little bit more meek, maybe I a result of that should be that the world becomes a better place. But I, that I'm that's. It's but not that's even not your desire, right? It, I, well, I mean, I would. You, you want it to be. You want to reduce the yeah. suffering on this planet if you can, but but that's not why you're trying to be meek. No, I mean it's it's because it's the right thing to right. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think you're onto something, Blake. I I I see where you're going with it for sure. Well, so love protects, and like Blake was saying, the the changing of your heart. Look at what Jesus did for us because he loved everyone now thinking dying to yourself every day this may sound whacked out but i'm going to say it loving everyone yeah everyone constantly every day i can't say that i've done that loving everyone the dude that cut cut me off you know going down the highway or or what the the guy that cussed out my son while he was at work the other day i'm if you want to protect everyone and be obedient, just like Jesus, Jesus was obedient in what he did. And 
for the love of us. If if you've got that, just and I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, you're going to want to protect. You're not going to want to be like you were saying, passive. Mm-hmm. You're not going to want to be passive in regardless of whatever it is. If it's in politics, if it's in walking down the street, you seeing something going on, teaching somebody how to do something else, you're going to want to protect them. Well, this is yeah. this is why dying to yourself is the key to everything. Yeah. If you die to yourself, you become untouchable. You oh. you you become untouchable. Nothing nothing can can provoke you. Become unprovocable. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't believe it. I I don't I don't know that it can ever be fully accomplished in this life. But it is the key to everything. Well, these two are from uh, Romans 12, and I was going to say them a long time ago, but what Corn just said really even brings it up to the forefront, too. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And then verses later, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Like, that's the next step. Yeah. It's to overcome the evil in yourself with good. You have to eliminate that. And then that allows you to evil... As you as it happens in front of you in the world, overcome it with good. If we all did that, it'd be different. Yes, it would be. It would be. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, I love these types of conversations, man. I hope you listeners are getting something out of this. I hope there's at least a few of you on here can grasp the depth of what we are talking about here. Um, and if not... Just uh, just keep going, man. If you can't grasp what we're saying right now, just keep going because it's taken me a lot of years personally to get to the point where where the Lord has allowed me to think in this manner. <laughs> I mean, to be straight up with you, if I would have had this conversation with somebody 10 years ago, with you guys 10 years ago, I would not understand what the crap you guys are talking about. Even though you have stated it very well, I would not have been able to grasp it. It, it. it is a it is a gift from it is a gift from God to be able to understand this, and it's 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 not. I I also want to say, it's not a new concept. There there are there there are other people, and there are are books out there, and there are other lines of thinking that tell you. You need to die to yourself to become untouchable. The flawed concept, though, the reason all other concepts are flawed is because if you die to yourself, it, your, that space has to be filled with something. And what the world is, will tell you and the popular message of the world is to die to yourself and replace that empty space with this alter ego or with this with this some other creation in your mind of who you want to be no you have to the only way this works is if you die to yourself and you replace it with the spirit of god it has see it has to be it cannot be replaced the emptiness cannot be replaced with an alter ego it's impossible the only way to become untouchable is to die to yourself, and that empty space has to be filled and replaced by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that this 
actually applies and actually works. Yeah, other All right? other versions say you have to die to yourself. <coughs> uh, and they don't quite state it that way, no, but that's I mean, what they're saying. Yeah, like almost die to your desires, basically, yeah, is what they say. What and is. then that you have to... Uh, and then there's this other part that, that you can do. You don't desire to do it, but you can make it happen. Uh, and then that will correct everything that you is can't, wrong. You can't make it happen. No, no, that's... Yeah, it's flawed. Um, We took a trip up to First Form, uh, the HQ up there, and... Did you guys what what's a what's a takeaway that you guys got from that? And I and I'll just I'll just share with you guys. Every time I go to First Form headquarters, my take I I my takeaway is I always leave there thinking bigger in terms of what is what is the like what's the standard? What can be accomplished? What's the standard? I just think bigger when when I when I leave there. And you know, for me personally, I, I gotta, I, I ha, I need an environment every so often that forces me to think bigger because I will even find myself as big as I like to think. I will even find myself thinking way too small um, about what I'm. Sp- what what needs to be done with this time that we have here on this earth? Like I just think way too small about it, man. So that's always my my biggest takeaway from visiting First Form HQ. The standard that they set for their team, uh, their equipment, their operation, everything is just extremely, extremely high, and it's 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 very inspiring to me. When I go there, and I think that's one of the main reasons I had so much frustration over this Christmas week is because I leave there and I'm in this mode where I'm thinking freaking, you know, bigger than I'm thinking the way I should think in terms of size and standard and all. But then I go through this couple of days where I'm not able to act on it you know what I mean and I think that's where, where, where the reason I had so much frustration but that's always my biggest takeaway from from visiting that place what about you guys that was corn that was your first time Chili, you've been up there a few times Blake your first time yeah uh, for me you know when I was telling a few people that I was going to St. Louis and I think we even talked about it it was oh man St. Louis is rough that, that's a rough place Walking in there in that first form early in the morning, meeting those 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 people that work there, Jared, Mason, the most humble, inviting people, straight up, you could tell it was not fake. I did not get a single sense that St. Louis was rough. If St. Louis is rough, hosh almighty, there is a light dead in the middle of that like that. in its first form yeah a hundred percent i mean some of the people hit me up on instagram we've been talking like we've known each other forever however they devised that team there i i can't believe it i honestly cannot believe there is that many people at that hq that are on the same page you we we talk bible studies i mean we you those are some awesome people man straight up Straight up. That's the biggest takeaway I, I got from it. Like there is a 
that place is a light for that community. Yeah. Period. I like that, man. About you, Bubba? Yeah, for me, I mean, it's it's definitely like what they have is is unbelievable just as far as the facilities, the amount of people, uh, all of that. But that's not really what I was impressed by. It was more about just the, the character of the people, kind of along the lines of what Corn was talking about. But what it challenged me to do was just to be – to be um, have a higher standard in everything that I do because uh, my tendency is to get a lot of things on this list that I need to do today, and I'm going to get them done come hell or high water, and it don't matter what the standard is, and, and that's, that's not the way to be. And so uh, that was one big thing, you know, that I kind of gleaned from being there, and, and then just that, that you can, you know, that it's possible to have that many people under that same, with that same mindset all together. And again, I, I mean, it's awesome. The facility they have, it's all, you know, all of those things are cool, but that's not really like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't, I really, that part doesn't matter to me, but, but what does matter is how you think and how you operate. And probably if that, when that happens over a long period of time, you do get toward those material things, but that it just, you know that's that's not my goal and has never been my goal, but I do see how that's possible and it allows you to be able to think bigger and know that that could come. And uh, so yeah, that was I mean that was really the the biggest thing to me was just just the environment there. So, but chill, you you obviously like going to first form, yeah, because it's usually like pulling teeth to get you to travel with me. Uh, but every time I say we're going to first form, you don't argue with me. You're just like, all right, what time are we leaving? Well, I'll tell you, I've got two things, and the first one is wrapped up kind of in what Blake and Corn just said, and I think it's because we've had conversations about this in the car ride home talking about it. And, yeah, everybody there, it's it's remarkable the the how they are. Not just – it's like if one person was like that, you'd be like, well, that's a cool guy, but – but it's strange when it's an entire yeah. corporate, I mean, business that's got hundreds and hundreds of employees. Yeah, you're not talking about like five people. No, and I'm and I'm sure you could go and meet every employee that they have, and somebody's having a bad day, and somebody's this, and somebody. But dude, it's the whole daggum place, and I didn't think you could be that size and ha- and maintain that that yeah. level. Yeah, of culture. I didn't think you could. I thought once you got past a small team that all knew each other and were friends, it's like you just kind of have to deal with that. It ain't like that anymore. Mm-hmm. But somehow they've done it, and I think that's very impressive. And I think it just speaks to what having, not even just what having standards does, but what having daggum rigid standards that you will not compromise. Yeah, like you just flat out won't put up with it. We just won't get this done if you can't do it right. That's the way it is. When you when you treat things like that, the results are interesting. Man, yeah. And number two, because a lot of people have standards and they're cool with them. They're like, yeah, I got standards. But you'll freaking break them, man. And if you'll break your standard, it ain't a freaking standard. Yeah. And that's why you're, you, you look at the mess you've got and you're like, well, this sucks. This ain't, why can't this get any better? Because you compromise too much. You compromise too much with yourself. You're a freaking spineless, weak idiot. That's why. And Andy and Sal and the whole team there, they don't tolerate that. And I like that. 
And uh, they don't tolerate it in their self either. And that was that brings me to my second point. Because it took way more than Andy to build that, but Andy obviously is the you know, the 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 focal figure. I mean, that's that was his company. And it stuck out to me this time more so than it ever has. That the facilities you're talking about, the culture you're talking about, it's not a freaking accident. That dude worked and works. I don't see him every day, but I don't freaking need to. He works hard, buddy. Yeah. That ain't a daggum accident that that happened. If you want something like that, go look at first. If you want something like first form, everybody should go see it if they can and realize that you have to, the amount that you have to do and give up to get something like that, most people just ain't going to abide that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ain't going to do it. And maybe you need to realize that, Okay, I want this stuff, but I just ain't going to do what it yeah. takes, so maybe I need to move on because a lot of people need to freaking move on because you ain't going to do what it takes. But if you actually do, go get you an idea of what it will take and what it will look like and then maybe make a few course corrections to go, <laughs> what I'm currently doing ain't going to get this done because I'm sitting here telling oh, you. You feel like you're preaching at me right now, Chili. I'm yeah. not preaching at you. When I see this, when I when – because – Cause man, yeah. When I see it, I'm like, yeah, man. I, I straight up, man. I'm not working as hard as that dude has worked or is working, it, and it, it makes me want to though. It's like, what else? I like I say. I think that leads back to my frustration these last few days. Is like, I leave this place and I, I spend time with these people and, and my buddy Andy, and I'm just like, man, I need to freaking be working harder. Like I need to be, I need to be dreaming up and applying myself. To, to to things that actually are going to produce results, you know, instead of wasting time, man. That's what it makes me feel, man. Yeah. So whether you I, I know you're not I know you're not you weren't preaching at me. No, I was preaching at myself. But but I'm I, yeah, and that's what I'm doing right now. It, it is just um it's it's uh it's an amazing opportunity to go up there and uh and see and, and these standards Chili's talking about, man. I mean, you see it. We we spent the most time that we spent there is obviously in the gym because we did the combat standards test. And you go in this gym, man, and it's immaculate to the point of when you put your bar away, your barbell, the labeling on, on all the barbells has to be turned and facing outward. There's only three plates on each rack right on the 45 and the in the plates when you put your plate up it's got to be turned to where the writing is upright and able to be read like the dumbbells go back in the rack in the proper position to where the first form logo is upright it's, it's just these unbelievable standards of excellence that yeah if you don't do it you, I have a feeling you get chewed out pretty quick around there. Like well, on the the rules in the gym, it said first time you violate any of those rules <coughs> is thirty days uh, suspension from the gym. It said second time's termination, fire you. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 legit. The the even the bathroom in the locker room, it's like they. This is an interesting thing. They don't they don't have a cleaning crew that comes through and cleans those bathrooms. They stay that clean because the the standard is is that the employees will clean up after themselves to a high high level, 
And, like, I'm in there. I wash my hands, and there's, like, drips of water in the sink, you know, and I'm over there grabbing a paper towel, like, wiping the sink out. I'm like, when else do I do this in my life? Yeah. Never. You know? Jarrett was telling us, like, you know, he was talking about the team workouts and stuff that they do, and he's like, you know, we're doing shuttle runs, and the dude, he's stopping a foot short of the line, or he's not crossing the line with his foot, and he's like, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, that's okay, but he says if he's doing that in the workout – then where's he doing that in our job when we're working day to day? And he's, you know, so he's saying, hey, this stuff that we do out here, it pushes us to that standard there. But then we also got to do it in our day to day work, our day to day life. And, uh, and that gives them an opportunity to see each other's, you know, each other's shortcomings and, and where they're not living up to the standard. For sure, man. Um, all right, this episode is brought to you by our members on Patreon. If you guys are like me and you're not going to celebrate uh, the new year and you want to join us on Resurrected on Christmas, or uh, not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, right, Blake? Well, December 31st, there's no holiday. Okay, December 31st on Resurrected. Blake and I do three live calls per month on patreon they're called resurrected it's bible-based content where we uh it's live we present a message and then we open up the call for for members to come in raise their hand and ask any questions that they have or add anything that they want to add to the conversation so if you want to support us and if you want if you want to be a part of more um private live interaction and content especially around bible-based topics and messages join us over on patreon patreon we'll attach a link in the description of this episode if you don't want to join us on patreon that's cool uh because we do have partners and i would ask that you support the partners that support this podcast our partner today that sponsored the show is barbell apparel if you guys don't know about barbell you need to go check them out they've got everything in the lineup that you need to fit your wardrobe, Big Big Chili over there got his recovery hoodie on right now, looking sharp, man. Always looking recovery. sharp. Good functional clothing. It fits well, performs well. Awesome people behind the brand. Uh, not to mention, we have a special lineup called the One Mile Out lineup that you guys can purchase over on Barbell's uh, website. It has all of the items that I used in my endeavor to run the Cocodona 250. So I ran 250 miles wearing barbell apparel, and you can check that stuff out over there. Everything from shorts to joggers to a special a special line of t-shirts. Uh, so check out that one mile out apparel, and also the jeans are awesome. Next level. I just had somebody comment on a YouTube video this week talking about their wife bought him some barbell jeans for Christmas, and he said, "Dude." These jeans are straight up exactly what you said they were. I've never had a pair of jeans that fit like this, that move with me, um, that are comfortable like this, and durable. 365-day guarantee on their jeans. You rip them, tear them, whatever. If they fail you, they're going to send you a brand-new pair. So you get what you pay for, man. Thank you, Barbell, for sponsoring this episode. Check them out at barbellapparel.com. And to all our patrons, thank you guys for your unyielding support of everything that we do here at 3 of 7 Project. We got a race coming up February, I don't know what. 10th. February 10th. If you want to come out, there's a four-hour, a six-hour, and an eight-hour version of the race. It's all on trail. What that means is you sign up for one of those three different times and you run as many miles as you can run within that period of time, all right? It's a four-mile loop. 
It's a really good loop. We're all going to be out there hanging out. So if you sign up for the four hour and it takes you four hours to run four miles, then you're going to get a loop in and you're going to actually get a result from the race. All right. <clears throat> so if you're not a big time runner, come out and test yourself. See how far you can go in four hours, six hours, eight hours. Uh, and it's a fun, fun day. So we hope to see you guys out there. I'll attach a link to the registration in the show notes of this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, actually the tech guy will do that. So thank you guys for supporting us uh, again on Patreon. And for all you guys that listen, uh, share the show. We greatly appreciate it. It's the only way that it grows. And we can't do what we do without you guys that watch, without you guys that support us on Patreon, and without our partners that support us with the gear that we need to do the things that we do here at 3 7 Project. Love you guys. Enough said. <laughs>